everybody. This is another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And my name is Hara. And we just watched the Sony E3 press conference. Like five minutes ago it finished. Not even. Alon, do you realize that this is the only pet press conference that I've sat through since I've had to sit through one in person? Uh, so it's been a long time because you haven't been to these things for years. Yeah, and it's been excruciating. I, I hope you can appreciate it. I watched this. the Microsoft one this morning as well. I missed the first few minutes of it, but I got on a little bit after it started. And uh, it was actually only half as long as this one. Sony went on and on and on. Um, so anyway, there's been a lot, a lot that happened today, a lot to talk about. We are going to want to talk about how much you hate press conferences, first of all. <laughs> also... Um, some of the hardware itself, uh, licensing issues, games that surprised me, our feelings about the the games and their presentation in general. I know you'll have a lot to say about that. And uh, that'll probably fill the entire show. At least that's my estimation. So, And if not, um, there's always news stories about um, games featuring vaginas that yeah. we can talk about. Yeah, there's that too. Um, okay, so let's... Let's start. You just sat through this press conference with me as what I believe is a personal favor to me <laughs> because I it, like pretending was. I'm there. And, and let me tell you some one other thing. I'm trying so hard right now not to be that jaded guy. It's uh, I really feel like I'm that jaded guy right now. You know, it's a little bit understandable because these things are the same time after time after time. And the only thing that separates them this year is that there's new hardware, but because they already talked about the hardware previously, there wasn't much about it this time around. Very, very little, in fact. So what gets me excited, the hardware, was pretty much skipped, and it was just games. Yeah, it's it's that. It's it's also that they kind of... They do every single one of these like it's a presentation to someone who has never, ever seen one. Yeah, I think I, I see what you mean. And on the one hand, I can kind of see why someone would want to do that but on the other kind it's it's just so long in the tooth and for people who are actually like it doesn't even make sense because most of the press aren't seeing those things for the first time and this is a conference for the press yeah and and it's like it's like there's 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 probably i would say and you can uh let me know if you feel different Maybe about five minutes of like really like, okay, like this was the good information. This is what we came here for. It's about five minutes of that content. And the rest of it is just stuff that you have to suffer through. And it's also funny because a lot of, I mean, there's just so much small talk, which I don't understand because it's like, it's literally, you were saying it. It's like literally the same things that they say every year. Like, we're so glad to be here. We're super excited to show you this is the most exciting year ever. Yeah. Stuff like that. Uh, or like, you know, with, with, with uh, you know, starting off phrases with things like more than ever and things like that. Um, it's like, yeah, it's just it's just gobbledygook. I, I do feel like their speechwriter just saves over old material year after year. That's that definitely happens. Right. It's like it's the same thing hashed out with just fill in the blank for whatever game we're showing. Like, let's bring Ubisoft on the stage. Now let's bring EA on the stage. Now let's bring the next company on stage and show a few games that are basically like games we've been seeing for the last 10 years. Although I got to say, they do look really pretty. They do look really pretty, and it was hard to appreciate how pretty they are because of streaming video, obviously. Yeah, the um, artifacting was a little bit crazy over the internet. But, you know, until Assassin's Creed 4 crashed and they had to stop displaying it yeah um i was i was commenting to myself silently hey we didn't know if it crashed it just froze for long enough for them to give up on it yeah yeah but <laughs> actually i'm not so sure the the man or woman who was standing there was actually playing it because it's sort of like it froze like video freezes and so they were standing there supposedly playing but i'm not convinced they were it might have just been it was very to it, pretend like they were playing it was so strange because if it was compressed video and then it froze, it, it would be strange for that. But then it was also strange the way it just kind of like it chunked. It was like chunking and then froze kind of like no, video does they, sometimes. So for those who didn't see the press conference over the internet, what happens is 
you know, they'll play the game. And so the, the screen that I'm watching on, over the internet, full screen game. And then what seemed to happen is every time the game would freeze for a second, like the video would freeze for a second, they pulled away. So you could see the whole stage. You'd only see the game through the projector that was on stage that you were seeing, you know, in the live action video that you were right. watching. So at that point, we could see the person standing on the stage holding the controller, and that person was moving while the screen on the projector was frozen. So it was definitely not the video stream we were getting being frozen. Yeah. Uh, you know what, though? I, I think that that particular one, I think he was probably playing it. But here's the thing, right? It's like I think it's pretty trivial for them to hook up uh, in-game stuff to something that somebody can control or demonstrate. But that doesn't mean it's not 100% canned. You know what I mean? You mean like they plan out what he's going to do in advance? Well, not only that, but I mean, I'm sure like every single event in those sequences is intended to happen the way that it, it happens, right? Yeah, like, for the most part. I mean, he he was essentially, I I feel like in, in large part, like even if those kinds of demos are play, are actually being played, that the person who's playing them really isn't doing a lot more than essentially advancing slides in more sophisticated context. Yeah, I, I wonder if they actually pre-recorded game footage and then just played it up there and put yeah. someone on stage. But, but the point I was getting at before is that while watching that, I was taking mental note of how pretty it was and how I remember back when the PlayStation 2 was around and we were looking forward to the PlayStation 3. This is in the first year of Chatterbox. Um, the, the original producer of the show is a guy named Luke. He got me, and a long time ago, if anybody's still listening from, from the first year, Don and I, he was a professor at UAT, and he got Don and I to do the show. And we all went to E3, and he talked about seeing like the Unreal Engine 2 or whatever it was at the time. And he's like, we're getting close with this next generation that's happening. We're getting close to the point that the games actually look like the CG graphics that we've been seeing for years. And there were some cases when that was almost true. Like the, um, what's that game on the Xbox made by Epic that everybody plays that you and I don't care about Gears at all? Gears of War. Gears of War. Gears of War and the Unreal Engine actually looks, graphically, it looks pretty fantastic. Um, not all games get, get that level of detail and beauty. Uh, but Assassin's Creed 4, and basically all the games they were showing tonight for the, for the PlayStation 4, as well as the Xbox One earlier today, uh, do look really, really good to the point that I'm like, oh, it, it kind of looks like the CG sequences I'm used to, right? And it looks and the lighting and everything is beautiful. And there's, I know it's just graphical. I know it doesn't mean much, but part of me is like, I'm glad we're finally to that point because I've always, I've just wanted it. I don't know why. I just have. The problem it, is it, it looks takes... really good, but it's like it doesn't surprise me anymore. It just I'm just not surprised by it. I'm like, okay, yeah, that looks real nice. I'm not surprised. I'm just pleased. Yeah. But at the same point, I realize that's only ever going to happen for like super AAA stuff where you have hundreds of people on a team to work on a game like this. And the games that come out of that sort of environment are the same old churn that we've seen over and over and over. Whereas the games I actually enjoy playing are like the smaller indie games that pop up on Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah, which like we'll that. probably not get. That's that's the funny thing that uh, the, that you raised that I don't feel like a lot of people discuss is that, well, okay, now we've reached the point where, you know, we can really make visuals almost indistinguishable from CG and... I mean, I'm sure the CG still looks sometimes better because, you know, things like shading and, and lighting and those things can still be very computationally expensive. But it looks about the same now, right? And it's like, I don't even know where I was going with this. But Well, yeah, it, it looks good, except the games themselves are just so focused well, on actually, cinematics. Actually, no, this is, this is what it was. I feel like in the, in the kind of same way where... My reaction is like, oh, well, this is nice, but I'm not excited about it. Also, like the, I don't know, the actual, like what they're trying to sell to us, especially in this last Sony conference, as far as games go, is just, it's like, it's, this, it's just the same as before. It just looks better, right? So, yeah. Well, speaking of the same as before, um, a lot of the stuff we watch, so like, let's use Mad Max as an example, right? So they showed off, they're like, we're really excited about this world, Mad Max. I don't know why they did that. They just want to show off that there's 
a franchise people would recognize. And so there was a cinematic scene that obviously was not gameplay. And at these conferences, a lot of the games they show, even when they show gameplay, they're like, all right, take a look at this game. Look how beautiful it is. It's great ideas, right? And we can, we can say that the gameplay will be fun, that the game will be awesome. But inevitably, most of the games they showed are going to end up in the bargain bin in like the first two months because they're actually going to be crap. Like Mad Max, I guarantee, will be junk because it's just a name that we've heard of. Um, well, now, now we get to the point of, I mean, we're asking ourselves, like, I mean, what's, what's junk for gameplay? Because they didn't actually, a lot of what they showed at the con, this conference was conce- like, just conceptual narrative. Pretty much. Right. I mean, when they were showing the new systems. Stories. Yeah, all the games were that way. And I wanted to talk about, we're so wrapped up in the PlayStation conference because we just watched that. But this morning when I was watching the Xbox One, uh, they showed a game called Rise. Did you see this? It's the, I Roman, heard about it. the Roman Empire thing. Yeah. So they showed a pretty extensive gameplay uh, of that game. And it just made me think of God of War where like it's really cinematic. It's really beautiful. Everything is very fluid. It looks like it could be awesome to play until you realize that you don't control any of that stuff. You're basically just pressing B when it tells you to press B or like L1 and tells you to do this. So I'm like, this game looks beautiful and is great on stage for a conference, but it's actually going to be junk. It's it not could, going to be interesting it could be. to play. I mean, I think that's a very valid thing to be concerned about. And I'm just overwhelmed right now with the feeling that, um, I mean, we only have a moment here, but when we come back, I really want to address this focus on narrative because, uh, some of you may misunderstand what I mean by it, but it's uh, it's just yeah, it's it's like we we've all just given up as an industry, and we're just going toward Hollywood blockbuster. It's like okay, we're giving up all these other things about games, gameplay. Let's just go the blockbuster route. Big explosions, lots yeah. of graphics. We'll, we'll be right back to talk about that. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. All right, we're back. Chatterbox Video Game Radio. So, before we went to break, you're pointing out that basically we're moving totally to narrative. It seems like at least all the big games that they show on stage at these things uh, are just turning into movies. Now, I can hear you now. You are probably saying, what's wrong with narrative? Narrative is awesome. I love games for the stories. And I'll tell you, that's fine. But... If you even look at what are what are they trying? The thing that disappoints me is one, right? Because I mean we've talked about this already a whole bunch of times. I mean like narrative is one thing, but I don't. I I, I looked at very carefully. You know each one of these narrative. There's a lot of these narrative games that they're pitching, and they all basically look like some kind of blockbuster film in their thematic sensibility. Okay, and the thing that troubles me isn't a proliferation of narrative, okay? I mean, people like those kinds of games. There's a lot of different kinds of games for a lot of different people. There's nobody saying that you can't have those kinds of games. That's fine. That's one type of entertainment experience that's a completely valid one. But what troubles me is that, you know, even even Shuhei Yoshida, you know, when he was doing his spiel, right? Is that the Final Fantasy guy? No, no. That was that was the guy who I remarked to you was much better at English than he has been in previous oh, years. Oh yeah, really old dude. Um, cuz he's been he's been a Sony executive for quite a long time and I just remember way back in like 
wow, like early 2000s. He was very bad at English when he was doing presentations. And he's he wasn't particularly good tonight either. Compared to before, he's awesome. Okay. Anyway, he talked about how, uh, you know, okay, like, you know, all these graphical, you know, and technological improvements, what they're talking about now, what he's talking about is not what, can be thrilling now in terms of like a gameplay experience, but he's like, this will allow us now to, so for you to really feel the emotions of game characters and, you know, to really explore all kinds of storytelling. Well, first of all, I'm not seeing all kinds of storytelling. I'm seeing the same kinds of storytelling. There's, I feel like there's this real severe repetition of like, survival narrative like fantasy narrative with survival in it right something with superpowers like these themes there's like i really feel like there's a very small subset of themes that is just getting like just come just rehashed over and over with a lot of these narrative games i'm not even if it was here's my frustration okay Stories, I feel like, can be incredibly compelling. But I don't feel like story in and of itself is inherently compelling. There's a lot of crap stories. There's a lot of stories that aren't interesting. And just because you have a story, even if it's very well executed, to me that doesn't make it interesting. Yeah, you know, thinking about it now, just as a result of us talking, I'm separating into my head basically two types of play. Or two types of narrative. And I can only do this... Because Heavy Rain exists, okay. it seems it seems like it did something different. And here's what it did different, right? There's games that, and we've talked about this before a million times, like you sacrifice gameplay in order to make it more cinematic or, or narrative. And yeah. so my example has always been God of War. But I think of God of War and I'm like, the story is pretty simple. There's a dude, he's kind of angry. I don't even know the real story of God of War, but the dude's pretty angry. So he put in, uh, you know, some fighting and then some some cinematic features that are super cool looking, but they don't really do much for story, right? They're just cool to look yeah. at. It's like, it's like an action movie, basically. It, kind of. Like, there's nothing really going on. And then Heavy Rain comes along, and I'm pretty sure those people also made Beyond Two Souls, the thing with Ellen Page, right? And right. then that other thing they showed during the Sony conference. I don't remember the name of it, but uh, it looked phenomenal. Um, and so Heavy Rain says, we're going to take this idea that is is actually like a good book or good movie, right? We're not even going to pretend like it's a game. Kind of, We're kind of going to pretend it's a game, but for the most part, you know it's not. You're just playing a book. And that way, like when you just accept that's what I'm doing, I am playing this book or movie or whatever and, and doing it just for the storyline, that's all I'm getting out of it, then you can appreciate it for what it is. And then, of course, they make a good story, right? Yeah, you, you know what else? It's really hard just, to have a good story to begin with. You just made me realize, I mean, for all of its faults and the criticism I've leveled at that game, at least it's not one of these really bland archetypes of stories that I just mentioned. At least it's not a freaking crisis situation. Yeah, it's... They took a story that could be good actually as a movie. Yeah. Right? And then said, we're going to make it interactive. So it is an interactive movie. You, you know what? But it's my... not God of War where you just pretend right, right. you're playing a game and it turns out to be some, something boring, which looks exciting. You know what my endless lament about um, Hollywood blockbusters is? Is that I feel like they come in two kinds. One of them is like the straight up like archetypal action that has no story depth. That at least walks around in its own clothes so you know what it is. And then there's the other kind where it's like it sells you for something conceptual that isn't like a crisis survival situation. But then that's just the first half of the movie. Then when like the actual plot unfolds, it's a crisis situation. It's like it's like like Prometheus. It's like um, – uh, I never saw it. I don't understand. Okay. Going. Well, it's like that. It's like um, – I mean like aliens in a lot of ways were like that. Um it's uh, like virus, I think. There's like there were so Terminator. many stories where there's like something really interesting about it. Something, and then by the time you get to the end, it's like okay, the the movie is really just about people trying to save their own lives or save a town or save the world, or something is threatened from being blown up or killed, and that's just it's just it's just so uninteresting to me. Yeah, well, it would be interesting if we hadn't seen it a million times. Well, exactly. And that's that's the main reason. It's because I've just I've been through that ride already so million so many million times. 
give me something a little more intellectual. Give me something a little more about some interpersonal relationships. Give me something that's something different from A is going to kill B and B must run away or B is, B kills A or B runs away or yeah. so and on and so if forth. If it's a game I'm actually playing, I don't care what the story is. Right? But it's, it's when they, they package these things up as a game and then you end up just playing a story that then I get upset. If the story is not actually good, then who cares? Well, well, that's the other thing. But I'm, I mean, I am equally interested in. It's this is here's the irony: like action films and uh, super narrative focused games are like those are like in the same group for me as being uninteresting. Whereas like intellectual or psychological thriller type films or films that are about drama, like happening in between people that don't involve necessarily guns and explosions and boring things like that that i lump in the same group as like games that have actually interesting gameplay those i hold up as like the ideals of either medium okay well unfortunately that's pretty much all we saw today they did show us there's there's a couple differences um microsoft had xbox indie games and they try to promote people from like to becoming Xbox Live. At least years ago, they did. Right. And now all I see is like one headline that says Microsoft says we haven't abandoned indie indie uh, developers. We haven't forgotten yeah. about you. Is yeah. the headline? And uh, if this was an actual quote, all I want to say about that is I doubt it's an actual quote. When I hear the words "we haven't forgotten about you," it means we're deliberately trying to forget about you, but we don't want you to worry. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So uh, Sony, apparently, from what the developers say, like actually is trying really hard to help people. Now, they don't have the, the system as open as indie games where pretty much anybody could just join for 100 bucks and start coding and putting stuff up there. Uh, but apparently, if you're an actual developer trying to make something that isn't a- absolute crap, uh, apparently they make it easy to, to publish. And they were talking about self-publishing, but they didn't define what that actually meant. So I right, they they were yes. I mean, of course, they were strategically vague on certain issues. I do have to say though that what I was more impressed by the indie offerings than the corporate offerings. Yeah, you were at this conference. There were a couple there that you actually said, you know what that that looks good, and it's because those people are trying to make a game that's a game and not you know well, something you just walk yeah. around a city and hack a camera or something actually like here's another point of irony the vast majority of the corporate games that they showed seemed to be primarily narrative affairs and the vast majority of the indie games that they showed off seemed to be primarily mechanical affairs yeah well and i understand that right because uh, if you're making a game with 100 or 200 developers you're making it look pretty you're making the story great like and I guess that's, or you're trying to, right? That's all you do. You make it look pretty and sound pretty and the gameplay somehow. Yeah. I, well, the thing is they maybe don't. I'm, I think I'm talking about my ass at this point. No, no, but, no. They don't know how. I think that this is happening because they don't know, because doing good gameplay is really hard and they don't know how to do it. And especially I think they don't know how to do it in a very, very large, like a, a large team setting. And what ends up happening I mean, I have other predictions for that, but I feel like what ends up happening is they're like, well, okay, well, what do we do? Well, it's we can make the graphics better. Well, we can make the animation better. Well, we can make it a more in-depth story. Well, we can, like, increase all of these other attributes that are, like, are, are increasable in knowable ways, right? But they can't – it's much harder to improve something that is cannot be improved in a knowable way necessarily because you don't necessarily know what to do. Because it's hard, because this knowledge isn't common, because this knowledge, for better or worse, has been discovered and utilized and then forgotten repeatedly over the course of the past 20 years in video games. But I digress. Yeah, I'm not sure I completely followed you at the end there. <laughs> but um, we're we're about to go to break again. And before we do, I want to warn that there's... There's also some interesting licensing issues that have come up. The, the More news came out about how the Xbox One is handling things um, prior in the week or, or last week, and we, yeah. we have not discussed that yet. Let's talk so about the numbers when we come back. That would be a really good idea. And that too. Sure. So we will go to break. We'll be right back. 
and cover some some factual things. Okay, so we are back, and we're going to talk some numbers. Um, I talked about licensing as well. Wh- which numbers do you want to go over? Let's do let's do the Microsoft numbers first. Actually, there's only really one number. Yeah, I was going to be like the only number I can think of is cost. So is that yeah. where you're going? Yeah, let's go there. Okay, so so both both companies announced uh, is coming out obviously this year. Although Sony did not even announce the month; they just said this season yeah right? this holiday season but microsoft said november 21 did they give a day they did i thought they just said day. november no they said november 21 that seems to be the same day that always pops up apparently it's one day before the 360 okay is that like the day before thanksgiving of or the something? month of november i have no idea okay obviously not the day before thanksgiving um Actually, maybe that's not obvious. Yeah, it, 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 it may. It's definitely the week of Thanksgiving. I'll tell but, you that much. Um, yeah, November twenty-one is what they said. And okay. actually, so what did they do with the price? Just, just tell me. Four ninety-nine, which is five hundred dollars. Yeah. Now, do you remember what it was priced? What the three sixty was priced at? No, but if I recall, and I could be wrong. I believe it was three hundred for the base, four hundred for the the model with the hard drive. That sounds about right because I, I feel like in this uh, console hardware selling world, uh, three ninety nine, which is four hundred, is basically like the uh, suicide threshold. It uh, it's high, so we had gotten used to three hundred dollars, like with the four, PlayStation two in the Xbox. That four that four hundreds dollar symbol is really scary. And I think that once you get into that territory, there's huge swaths of people are suddenly oh, yeah. not your customer. No, I'm with you. Even $400 is a lot. Um, but so, so the original Xbox, 300 bucks, which was a step up yeah. from the 200 so people were used to. They're blowing 400 out of the water, and they're going straight to 500 Well, then the next, the next generation, when they had the 360, basically the uh the basic unit was a crippled unit i don't even consider that one so it was 400 dollars. yeah right so it was 300 for the first one 400 for the next and now 500 for this one right. what's interesting is that sony did some crazy stupid 600 dollar for the playstation 3 do you remember their stupid pricing i do remember that yeah so it was 500 for their crippled unit and 600 for the real one right and even though there wasn't much difference between them that was that was also insane but i feel yeah. i feel like and they how much is the PlayStation Four going to cost? Lay it on me. Three ninety nine, which is four hundred. Four hundred bucks. Yes. They're actually stepping back. They're they trading places. Cheaper. Yeah, they're trading places, yeah. which I, I actually I'm really glad about. And I don't know, I don't know, like what is what is wrong with Microsoft? Are they are they just have they become so greedy that uh, they just think that they can price whatever they want and everyone's going to eat it up? Because that's the impression I'm getting. Well, at, at release, honestly, you can price it whatever you want. Um, everybody bought the the PlayStation Three. Actually, PlayStation Three was hard to sell. Like I remember, a friend of mine six hundred is really bad. A friend of mine sat around for twenty four hours to get the six hundred dollar unit. Chose not to sell it immediately because he didn't listen to me, and so he didn't make a couple hundred bucks on it. And then he ended up returning it to the store because no one bought it from him, and he he had only bought it to make a profit because he had no money. Um, and so the PlayStation Three was actually hard. Hard to unload for that full price. But some people did, and you know, it went on to eBay. And I think charging a high amount up front is basically to just kill the eBay sales and make sure the money goes to the companies instead, which I totally get. I just wish they were a bit more upfront about it. it. said, like, it'll drop in price in three months. That would be interesting, actually, economically, well, to see what would you happen. you know what? I, I actually think that, that what you just said is probably the only sensible way that they can have a strategy. Because I don't think 500 is sustainable for a long yeah. period of time at all. But the thing is, they won't drop it for, you know, at least a year. Well, you know what? Actually, there are other numbers. You know, another thing that really surprised me is their re-release of the 360 in form 
that okay. looks like the one, but not really. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So they said we. They specifically said, by the way, if you watch the press conference, we're releasing a new physical version of the Xbox 360 to make one that looks more like the Xbox One. It's right. not just happenstance. Like they made an intentional decision. Yeah. To make the old system look like the new one, which is weird to me because there's this concept of confusion in the marketplace, which usually is when you have one person with a trademark versus somebody else who tries to make the same name, right? So, like, nobody else will call something an Xbox because you confuse it as Microsoft's Xbox. Right. But in this case, they're generating confusion across their own brands, which is weird. To well, me. there's – I mean, there's a fine line between confusion and also, like, making things look like they're part of the same family. You know, I, I, it's funny because, like, it's like – you just reminded me of when I was in high school and before that and my mom would go and buy stuff at the supermarket and she would like buy. This is before, this is before I stopped drinking Coke, but she would buy like Diet Coke on accident because she couldn't tell the difference between that and like the regular Coke. Yeah. Right. Or, or some kind of like off diet version of something because she couldn't tell the difference because just the packaging graphics are so dense and so similar anyway so it doesn't just happen in games it happens in other things i i see it but i will tell you though there's something in specific that i'm a little incensed about uh and that is that not that the so the new 360 model their base version they said is going to be 200 bucks wait there's going to be different versions yes there's also different versions there's going to be one you can you go there's actually going to be three versions when are they going to end with this crap listen you get base model with four gigabyte drive. I think Still. I think somebody somewhere has made too many four gigabyte drives. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's one version with the four gigabyte drive with Connect, which is like a hundred bucks more, or something. And then there's another version with like a three hundred and sixty gigabyte drive or some huge amount like that. And of course. Right away, I start thinking um, this might be a nice way for me to get extra consoles so I can do my multi-screen on the 360. But four gigabyte drive is so useless. Yeah. It's like the most useless number because I can – if it didn't have a – it's almost like having no drive because I can't, I can't load uh, most disk games probably on that. Yeah, so they they currently... Because it's just barely, like, less than the size of a lot of disc games. You know that the base model has that right now, right? The four gigs in it? Yeah. And it it literally shows up in the operating system as a save card, not as a hard drive. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, they put four gigs in there, and it's just, like, a a memory card. I just don't... I mean, just throw us a bone. Give us, like, a big, hefty eight gig so I can be sure that I can ins- install at least one it's game. It's just to allow times. people to save games because their their memory card yeah. concept. And it's, just, it's just a weird... I'm personally incensed and I'm the only person that would complain about this because I know that if I got, like, Forza, which would be the only multi-screen game, it's going to be bigger than four gig and so I can't s- save it on the drive. Yeah. But anyway... That's, uh, sure that's the, my little luxury problem. I'm sure the full S consoles will be cheap. But if they're doing th- three different versions, so it's going to be $200 and then $300 for the one with the Connect and then $400 for the one with the drive and the Connect? Um, no, I think there's one that has a big drive and not Connect or okay. something like that. Anyway, that one is much more also, but I don't think it's quite $400. I think the, actually, I think the two price points might be 2 and It's got to be the same price as the current S, which I think is just $300. Yeah. You're right. Okay. So now let's – so they made the Xbox – the new 360 look like the new one. And then they made this big pomp and circumstance BS uh, at the Sony conference about bringing out the PlayStation 4. And, like, it was all blurry for, like, 20 seconds until they finally showed the system. Lo and behold, I laughed out loud literally because when they first showed it on the screen, the way that the guy was holding it, it was it was facing – the the camera in such a way that you couldn't see the angle that makes it look different. Yeah. It looks almost exactly like an Xbox 360. Your mother would buy a PlayStation 4 by accident if you told her to pick up an Xbox 360 because they look exactly the same except from the profile where the PlayStation 4, it turns out the sides aren't vertical they're actually at like a 45 degree angle which does make it look cool yeah it looks like it looks like to me the the one has like rounded edges and this one has like distinctly sharp edges which i actually love also i'm actually really pleased with the form factor of both of these new consoles yeah they look fabulous but it's hilarious because they're both 
black rectangular boxes yeah. with a line right down the middle of the front face, which is where the disc goes. They they look the same unless you look at it from a, you know, a certain angle. I don't think they look as different as, as you do, but... As identical, you mean? Yes. But, I mean, I'm not surprised because, I, I mean, this is not the first time that first parties are going to be copycatting each other. And no, we've already seen... It's never happened before. It's never happened. It's always been... Like, Nintendo was... I'm not talking about just console shape. I'm talking about other things about their consoles. Uh, well, they constantly copy features back Well, there's forth. that. You know, you know what else? While we're on the topic of hardware. So... Microsoft at today's conference didn't talk a whole lot about the Kinect because they talked a lot about Kinect and TV at the pre-conference that happened last month or something. Um, but they did at least show off like the uh, the Xbox Glass thing to a, to a certain extent. And they were also showing off Xbox in that some people demonstrating a game were talking to it and having like real functions happen because they were talking to the Xbox. So at least it was worked in there. PlayStation conference today literally not a single mention of controller or of the camera unit that comes with it not a single game that had anything to do with that camera unit which i think comes with the system right it's not an add-on i don't know i don't know anything about that i'm pretty sure it's part of the system and they made not even a peep it was like it did not exist i kind of want to know more about the controller by the way but i guess they already talked about that and maybe i just didn't read enough about it um, I'm curious what they're going to do with like the, the touch pad area of the controller. Nobody talked about that. Um, they did at some point show someone using a tablet to, man- to manipulate some aspect of a game at the Sony conference. And that's weird because we haven't seen that before. But um, they talked a little bit about Vita connection and how it's built from the ground up with Vita in consideration. But, but not a single mention of that camera unit whatsoever, which to me is indicative that it's useless and going to fail. Um, but maybe they just haven't thought about what to do with it yet, or they're just waiting to ape stuff off of Microsoft. Well, maybe when they so. do more with the Connect, but um, they're probably not a mention of well, it. Well, I don't know. I don't. I, I guess the Connect is not what all the flack is about. But um, yeah, it was I'm, just. I'm not bothered me. by the fact that they didn't mention. I'm it not bothered, right? But all. it's it's surprising. It's such an integral part of their hardware that they they package it with every system. Yeah. Yet they don't even talk about it. At all, and that maybe there that will be PlayStation Four controllers on the floor. <laughs> maybe the show. So um, there's actually there's a couple other uh, Microsoft things I want to mention. Okay, we, but once again, yeah. So we're, we're going to the break. So after after the break, we'll talk about your Microsoft stuff, and then we will talk about the very interesting tidbit that Sony threw out right at the end of their conference, or maybe the tidbit that they didn't throw out. Maybe strategically, <laughs> we'll be right back. Are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. All right, we're back. Once again, it's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Got to remind you, by the way, to go to UAT.edu. That's the website for the University of Advancing Technology. And uh, also, our website, 
chatterboxgameshow.com and our Facebook page slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. That's where we talk a lot about this stuff these days. Um, okay, so let's get right to it. We have one segment left. All right, so there were two games that really drew my attention to what Microsoft announced. One of them was, uh, you heard of Crimson Dragon? Do you know what this is? No. This is actually going to be a new Panzer Dragoon game. I So I was only half watching the Microsoft conference because I was busy at the time. And I heard him mention at some point, like, from the creator of Panzer Dragoon Saga. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So and I was really excited until I learned to find out that this is a Kinect game. <laughs> because doesn't surprise me at all based on the I gameplay mean, of Panzer Dragoon. Actually, I don't. Un- I don't understand. It's it's like a minus. It's like an unfeature. It's like, oh, we're making a new Panzer Dragoon game, but you can't play it without waving your arms around constantly. Oh, and talking a lot. Probably. I. I, I mean, it's I. I doubt this will happen, but I really wish that if that game comes out that. You can just play it with a regular controller. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be really nice because I don't want to wave around and be the flipping dragon. I don't want to do that. Do you have to flap your arms? Because that would be... I doubt you'd have to flap your arms, but it's just... It's it's interesting. I mean, look. Doesn't it say a whole lot when we have games that we used to play before just fine with the controller and they're harder to play without the controller? I mean, doesn't that just speak volumes? What, yes. I have another complaint. Okay, so this one's about the Forza 5 stuff that they showed. Okay, we know you and love the racing games. This is, this is actually like a multi, multi and specific to Forza 5 complaint. Okay. It's, it's really interesting for me to, like, to see what the audience applauds at and what the audience doesn't applaud at when they show these various trailers. And I really feel like the, these racing games, especially, I mean, they got to do something to cut these trailers differently, because it's just so unexciting. Watching, how did, how did you feel about the Gran Turismo Six trailer? Because that actually talked a little bit about what they're doing differently. I liked it. Yeah, I mean that one was all right. It was not. It was less boring than the Forza Five one. The thing that was especially boring about the Forza Five trailer to me was that. Uh, they either it's like they only had two kinds of cuts. Either the cuts were so fast that I couldn't like get a good look at anything. So like okay, so that's the you know welcome to MTV, or they're so close up that I can't t- like I can't get a good sense of anything. I well, mean they they had multiple repeated close ups of all kinds of car geometry and texture. And I'm sure they're doing that to just show you, like, look how detailed this is. Look, we're zooming in on the carbon fiber covering the engine, and we're we're zooming in on the side of the corner light that you'll never see. And that's great, but it's just like, what does that have to do with making the racing, like, making me excited about the racing game? It doesn't do anything. Well, didn't they show a lot from like within the cockpit? While you were driving, and talk about how like you have to maybe I'm just talking about a particular I'm just and... talking about a particular um, trailer that was okay. released. Maybe so I, I mean I didn't see the whole conference. Yeah, watch watch the conference as it as it relates to that game, and you might see some more that you liked. But I mean, yeah, the trailers these days are are becoming more and more useless. Where they just show, I mean, they say maybe it's in game footage, but it's still not actually what you see in the game what you play in the game like they said in-game footage for forza 5 and then they're like moving a camera around a car and stuff like that and it was like that's that's not how the game works that might be in-game like engine render but it's not yeah i I feel like like these depictions are are seriously at odds with the communication uh i mean what the trailer should be which in my opinion is communicating what's so thrilling about the game and it's almost like the people who are putting together these trailers have forgotten that we have just been inundated with so many trailers that uh, just looking at something that looks awesome is I don't I mean I don't think it's enough anymore. Yeah. I don't think it was ever enough because I thought it was irrelevant, frankly. But now I feel like it's even worse because now the people who got get excited by those things 
they're just they're just flooded with so many trailers that that's just commonplace. What was there was that game with the uh, at the Sony conference that there was this trailer of like these ghosts of kids walking around. Rain. Rain. Okay, so like this is I want to use this as a specific example of why I think these trailers are failing. I don't understand what that is. Yeah, I have no idea. I have it. It had, it did it, it neither sparked my imagination to think of what what possibility could arise from that nor did it communicate me what that game is about what's happening why are they ghosts why is this exciting why is this compelling i think it's been shown before with more more explanation and so maybe they were just sort of showing a trailer assuming that people had seen it before i don't but i don't buy that though I, it's, it, it doesn't make it useful but uh, yeah i just don't buy it i just don't understand i i feel like there's there's just a complete flip-flopping of values when these people are making these trailers because they're just not conveying, I feel like, what they need to convey in order for them to actually work. So I am with you there. Basically, I watched a lot today and didn't get much from it. However, I've been thinking lately, I want to use the rest of the show, I think, to talk about licensing and uh so this this past week. So if you remember in last week's show. Oh, actually, there's one thing that we uh, didn't mention yet about the PS4 stuff. Okay. The PSN uh, special detail that they didn't mention. I'll just say. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just real quick. So one, first of all, they were like, "Oh yeah, we're not going to do all that authentication stuff that Microsoft is doing." That's what I wanted and that to was, talk about. That okay. So that was met with uh, uproarious applause, and that was very satisfying for me to to listen to and the other thing was that and i guess i guess this was coming but uh jack tretton very skillfully meandered in a way to avoid mentioning whether um psn was still remained free for online play and he did it in a way that leads me to believe that in fact what they're going to do with the psn is the same thing that they did with gold with microsoft which is that you're going to have to pay a fee to play online. Oh, yeah. Now, I I am officially announcing on this show that you have to have PlayStation Plus to play online on the PS4. And as much as I, I am making that announcement. As much as I hate that, um, it makes sense because I think the only reason why they didn't introduce a fee was so they could compete with Microsoft. And now, since they're no longer the underdog as far as that goes, now they have the luxury of being able to charge us up the yeah. butt. Well, also, I think their system was broken and they needed some time to make it work, right? It was – it just – it wasn't fleshed out and now they've done a lot with their online stuff that it's a little bit better. And as as they also – they talked about um, building in a friend system where it's like real-life friends and so it'll probably connect to Facebook and be like – you can play with up to second level friends or you can open it up to the whole universe or whatever, which actually is really appealing to me. But anyway, we'll I, see said, I said I wanted to talk about the licensing. Yeah. So you just sort of cut, cut to the chase here and took the wind out of my sails by pointing out that they said, we're not going to mess with your used games. We're not going to ma- you know, stop you from being able to lend it or give it away or keep it forever or whatever. You can just do what you want with it. You don't have to authenticate every 24 hours. Great. Now, I should point out that what that authentication does for the Xbox One is allows you to never have to get up and put a disc in. It allows you to just sit at your couch and basically be a fat ass, which I love to do. Love to not have to get up and put the disc in. So I like the luxury that the Xbox creates. Is this, is this worth it for you? Well, the thing is... Because I'd love to get up and t- uh, put the disc in for not having to do all that. Well, I agree. I talked last, I think on our last episode, that what they're going to do, and I was wrong about this, that... As more stuff had been re- revealed, I realized what they're going to do is simply allow anytime you put a disc into someone else's machine, it authenticates to that machine and you lose it on the first one. And that makes sense because then you have the best of both worlds um, that, you know, if you have the disc, then you're good. You can play it, although you have to be online to authenticate the first time. Um, but at least, like, you can sell the game, you can lend the game, no problem. But it turns out, we found out this week, that's actually not the case. You can, like, sell it or give it to a friend, but only if you've been friends with that person on Xbox Live for more than 30 days, or at least 30 days, and only once. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if that means you can't take it back or you can't give it to that same person more than once back and forth, like you're sharing the game. Because otherwise it's like, well, 
I'll pay half and you pay half and you get it this month and I get it the next month or something. They're not allowing that. And right, right. whatever lending features they are building in that they talked about aren't there on day one. So who knows when they are coming in. And then if you want to sell it for real, it is this absurd system about the retailer having to be connected to their database to take the authentication away, which is BS because it means I literally can't sell you the game. One wonders if this is becoming so much a pain in the butt that people will just not bother with it. Yeah. It means I can't give you the game away. It means I can't run a private store that does used games because I don't have the money to There's a lot to of things to database. be mindful of that none of us uh, ever, not only are we not used to being mindful of, but we don't feel like we have to be mindful of when we are trading and selling our own things that we own. Yeah. It's, it's just plain ridiculous. And because of that, I was, I was quite seriously, and I'm not sure, I was honestly thinking, you know what? Maybe I'll just suck it up, not get the Xbox because I own you know every system. Uh, I will just get the PlayStation 4, even though I prefer the playability and the system, the environment and all that of Microsoft systems. But I was thinking I'll get the PlayStation 4 until, until today, they blew Killer Instinct all over my face. That's because you love Killer Instinct. I love Killer Instinct, and there have all for the years they've been like, oh, rumors of Killer Instinct three, it's it's coming, they're gonna make it, and nope, no mention of it. And now, it's actually coming out on the next Xbox, so I have to buy the damn thing. Exclusively I have to, for what? Of course, it's a rare game which is owned by Microsoft. Yeah. So, uh, I'm so mad <laughs> that they're actually doing this now because it means. I have to buy it. And uh, maybe I would have bought it anyway. I don't know. But now it's like, no question. I just have to. Play it, play it first and maybe it sucks and you won't have to be pressured so much. I just, I can't not have it. But anyway, there's so much we didn't talk about. Ran out of time. Listen, we'll be back next week. The week after that, we have shows in the can ready to go. And then I'll be back for my trip in July. We'll have more like super live shows. It'll be fantastic. Fantastically, I wish you a good night. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.